Hello, everybody. This is Sherman uh, coming to you live from the Subaru Studios in Bellevue, Washington, from the front seat of my car. I, my legacy, I just realized that's an interesting name for a car, my legacy. So I'm reading you an older story today. I found it in my files, and it's very interesting in the way it addresses or talks about the work week, the standard work week. You know, along here with post-COVID, the notion of the five-day work week is being challenged. The notion of uh, commuting to work is being challenged. So, you know, I deal with that a little bit in the story, which is interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm a critic of capitalism, yes, certainly, but I'm also a participant in it. Uh, sometimes a willing participant, sometimes not. So here's this story. It's called, I mean, a very overt title right now. I don't know that I'll keep this title. I think it's really like a club, but I like it for having that immediate impact on anybody who happens to see it. The foot soldiers of capitalism. It's like a really intense version of the nutcracker. So uh, here it is. Uh, the foot soldiers of capitalism. The man next door built a treehouse for his kids. More like a mansion. Three rooms, four sets of stairs. A bridge from one huge tree to the next. From the north, the structure looked like a wooden ship. From the south, it looked like a wooden dragon. From my bedroom window, it looked like Jesus had built it. And how can a mortal father like me compete with Jesus? But then again, theologically speaking, Jesus was a simple man. So maybe that treehouse was un-Jesus-like. In any case, it was elaborate and ornate, and I couldn't measure up to it. The neighbor worked for months on that treehouse. Meanwhile, I sat in airplanes and flew to archaic meetings in hotel conference rooms. More than once, I'd suggested to my boss that those meetings could have been conducted by conference call or by internet streaming or by shouting into the wind. But the bosses wanted us minions to be collectively unhappy around conference tables in other people's cities. One night, on the road. In between Thanksgiving and Christmas, I ordered room service. I ordered all five desserts on the menu. Chocolate mousse, flan, banana split, cheesecake, and apple cobbler. I'm not a fat man, and I'm not thin. I carry 20 pounds too many. I'm ordinary. So it seemed extraordinary to become the kind of man who would eat multiple desserts in one sitting. When the room service man wheeled the cart into my room, I was shocked by the size of my shame, by my paranoia. I thought the hotel man was passing judgment on me, but he was as bored as any other professional. And it occurred to me that he must have seen far stranger things while working at a hotel. I was wearing all my clothes, for one. 
even my even my socks and shoes, I was probably a relief for him and gave him no stories to tell. Room service included a 20% service charge, but I added another 20% as gratuity. And then I wondered how gratuity, the word, is related to gratitude. And it seemed to me that gratuity sported a pair of khakis and a button-down shirt while gratitude wore a suit and necktie. And what about the service charge? There's always a service charge. What kind of clothes does a service charge wear? After the hotel guy left, I lined the desserts in a row, taking one bite of each, moving my fork left to right like I was pounding out a love letter on an old typewriter. I ate everything in perhaps 15 minutes. Later that night, nauseous and dizzy, I called home. I just ate all the desserts on the menu, I said to my wife. You're going to poop your pajamas, she said and laughed. I was worried she was right. So I grabbed a pillow and blanket and slept in the tub. I didn't want to risk shitting the bed and making a nightmare mess for the housekeeper. And no gratuity or gratitude would compensate for that. There is no service charge big enough to make up for that, to atone for that. In the tub, I stared at my blurred reflection in the clean porcelain. But it wasn't really a reflection. It was more like my face was reduced to a vague brown moon. Imagine that. Imagine the night sky is white and the stars are black. Imagine that my wife and I are reaching our dark hands across the space between us. Imagine that it looks like our fingertips almost touch. Imagine her as a new constellation. Imagine me as a new constellation. And then remember that every star in the sky is light years apart. As you'll see, if you read along with the story while I perform it, that I changed and improvised. That's something I've always done during book tours and speeches and performances is that I've improvised as I'm reading a story. Uh, sometimes it gets better, maybe sometimes not, but it feels more alive to me. I dislike the static nature of a literary reading, and sometimes that pisses people off or irritates them. They come expecting to hear the exact story that's printed on the page. And I always want my readings to be more dynamic than that. I think in some ways it feels closer to the oral tradition, the oral tradition being a stereotype for native writers. I mean, my old joke was when people ask me about that, Sherman, how does your work apply to the oral tradition? My answer was always, well, it really doesn't because I, I type these stories and I'm really, really quiet when I'm typing them. But of course, all storytelling, even the stuff on the page, is directly a descendant of the original storytellers of long ago, all those early humans or all those early 
forms of human that possess intellect enough to tell the stories? What are cave paintings other than short stories about the hunt or about a love story or about family? Yeah, cave paintings as literature. So that's why I improvise. Uh, and it's fun to do this sitting here again in the rain with the traffic audible behind me and with the crows talking a little bit and gathering around my car. Uh, I imagine there must be some person who parks here and feeds the crows uh, and the pigeons, which is interesting. In fact, right now, I can see a crow with something in its beak and the other crows are poking at it. Jealous. Uh, crow, crow, you got the treasure. All right, so that's it. Thank you very much for supporting me and my work. It's very much appreciated. Uh, thanks, bye.